Welcome to Yours, Mine, and Ours. My name is Gabrielle Cardona, and I'm a relationship coach. A little bit about being a coach. Well, when I started out 15 years ago, I saw on television an expert on a talk show, and they weren't a counselor, they weren't a therapist, they were a life coach. And I thought, hmm, what is that exactly? Well, I Googled it. It could be anything from a transcendental meditation guru to a multi-level marketing. Well, you know what? This is a really healthy natural product <laughs> to, you know what? This is a kind of an alternative to counseling and therapy. Well, I decided I don't really like the mental health industry, so I'm going to see if I can help people in a different way, in a more proactive way. Well, a few years later, my son said, my mom's a shrink. My mom's a shrink. And I said, baby, you got to stop saying that. I'm not a shrink. And he turned around one day and said, mom, you're the worst kind of shrink. You're a shrink in denial. <laughs> and I said, honey, I think you just became my favorite child. That was a beautiful thing to say. Well, the way I got my first client was I was standing in Starbucks at the little at the little um, condiment bar, right, preparing my drink. And a man walked up to me and he said, hi, what do you do? And just to make casual conversation, I said, well, I'm a life coach. And he said, what exactly is that? And I thought, oh, my goodness, I got to get a sales pitch. I got to get some kind of presentation. What, what is it? And it just came into my mind. I said, well, you know, the way a coach helps people score in a, in a football game I teach people how to score in the game of life. I'm not, a, I'm not a therapist and I'm not a counselor because I don't help people who are hurt or injured in some way. I just give people a strategy about how to reach their goals. And I thought, wow, that's good. I think I'm going to stick with that. And he said, well, how much do you charge? And I thought, oh, my goodness, I never even thought about that part of it. <laughs> um, I, I thought, OK, you know what? $60 an hour. That's good. That sounds good. And so I said $60 an hour. And he said, you know. If you can help me figure out why, I come from a great family. He was actually raised Mormon, and they are very wonderful people in the family setting. Um, he said, I have a great job. It's very prestigious and respected, and I have a good income, a good solid income. I don't have any mental problems, and I don't have anything to complain about in life. If you can help me understand why I'm not happy, I will absolutely give you $60 an hour. Wow, okay, that was pretty good. I liked that. So I decided I wanted to help people really figure out how to get happy. Well, over the years, I've been doing this for about 15 years, a lot of the questions and the, the goals that people had in life were about relationships, how to make their relationships better. And over the years, as the coaching industry kind of evolved, people said, you can't just be a life coach. You have to have a, a niche. You have to have a specific field that you specialize in. And I realized, you know what? I think I want to help people with relationships because that's what really is, it's about in life. And then I said to my husband, you know what? I'm going to help people have the success that you and I have. And I had clients from three to six months, and he actually said to me, honey, you can't keep fixing people. You need to have them for three or four years. We're not going to make any money if you keep fixing people. And I said, you know what? They're not broken. They're just confused, or sometimes they just don't have information. And when you give them information, specific information, 
you're going to help them succeed. They'll tell their friends and family about you. And that way I won't have to advertise. <laughs> and I've got some great, some great opportunities and some great clients and referrals. But you know what? I realized one at a time really doesn't work. So I want to go worldwide. I started writing books. I got a radio show. And since not everyone can afford a life coach, my price kind of went up over the last 15 years. Here's a chance to ask questions and get advice for free. Welcome to yours, mine, and ours. Now, I want the listeners to know that the website has a shout box on my page where people can ask questions and make comments. If they want to call into the station, the phone number is 888-627-6008. But if they'd rather make a, a little question, a brief question on the page, it's bbsradio.com slash yours, mine, and ours. Now, today I wanted to talk about the female strength, the real power of being a woman. Last week, I was talking a little bit about what being a, a woman, being female, has in the way of advantages and great qualities. A woman is like a fine wine. She can be very, very powerful. She can be very wonderful as an experience and very enjoyable, right? Now, what we're actually talking about today is specifically, how can she be that way? Because, you know, you're reading a magazine, an article isn't going to tell you a whole lot or a, a TV show. This is going to be really, really detailed. So the good thing about having a show that's archived, if you want to play it again, as soon as the show's over, tell friends and family about it. That would be really, really good. A lot of the stuff that's going to be coming up, it's uh, stuff to talk about. Now, as feminism, I kind of mentioned that last week too. I don't really agree with feminism, but one of my favorite feminists, everybody knows her from the 80s and 90s, Roseanne. One of my favorite quotes from her show, she was talking to her sister one day. Her sister was having a hard time finding a man, really finding a good relationship, getting the man that she deserved. Well, Roseanne said to her, what are you doing? Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get up and get the man. And she said, well, you know, Roseanne, not everyone has a great husband like yours. You don't find men like Dan just anywhere. And Roseanne's response, I loved it. She said, are you kidding me? Do you think he came out of a box that way? Do you have any idea how many years I put into him? <laughs> because her husband on that show was great. But you know what? It does take time and it does take effort. And a relationship is about a good man and a good woman. But really, a woman's power to do good or to do evil, if she chooses to, is something to consider. Now, my husband and I have been married for almost 26 years. And we were in a Starbucks one day. A lady who we had seen a couple of times. She was a, a very common patron of that particular establishment, not unlike my husband and myself. She actually came up to us one day and personally asked us, are you guys having an affair? <laughs> I, said, I said, what? Why would you ask me that? And my husband just was about to say, no, no, we're married. And I said, honey, I want to know why she's asking us that. And she said, well, because you're both wearing wedding rings. And so I know that you guys are both married, but you're really into each other and you have a great time with each other. There's no way you could possibly be married to each other and have this kind of heat. I'd love to have what you guys have. And I said, 
wow, well, thank you, but um, no, we've been married for 25 years. And she said, are you serious? How, how do you guys do that? And I said, well, we do spend quality time together and we like to be together, but he treats me like I'm his girlfriend because I act like his girlfriend. It seems kind of oversimplified, but that's really what it's about. And she said, but men and women, they have differences. They have friction. There are just challenges. Well, one of my favorite jokes is a, it's called the computer's gender. And this is true. And this is why everybody likes this joke, even though it's, it's kind of harsh on both sides. But it's fundamentally true. The Spanish teacher was explaining to the class that in Spanish, words are feminine or masculine. And they have an article. It's either L or la. And it was an adult student class. They were trying to, to learn this new language, but it's tough as an adult. And one of the students, uh, a lady, just said, is it El Computador or La Computadora? <laughs> and the teacher could see she was frustrated. She said, you know what? Do you think it's more like a man or more like a woman? She was kind of trying to lighten up the atmosphere and, and have some fun. Well, the woman got a look on her face. And she said, you know what? Let's just go ahead and split up split up men and women. Let's make a game out of this. She said to the men and to the women, she said, do you guys talk about it a little bit and tell me if you think this computer is more like a man or more like a woman? And the guy said, man, we don't even need to talk. This thing's such a chick. And the teacher said, why would you say that? And he, they said, for four reasons. First of all, only their creator understands their internal logic. <laughs> Number two... They speak a language that only other computers understand. Third, they store every mistake you ever make in long-term memory for future retrieval. And finally, you're constantly buying accessories for them. <laughs> and the teacher said, that's good. I like that. That's good. Ladies, what do you have to say to that? And the women said, no, 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 no. This thing's a guy and we'll tell you why. For four reasons. First of all, if you ever want them to do anything, you have to turn them on. Second. You can give them all the information in the world. They are never going to think for themselves. Third, they make all these claims to be able to solve every single problem. And you know what? When it comes down to it half the time, they are the problem. And fourth, maybe most importantly, you know if you had just waited six months, you could have had a better one. <laughs> okay. Well, in case anyone out there is wondering, it's La Computadora. There are strengths and weaknesses to both genders and there are definite things that we like and appreciate about each other. But when we're talking about appreciating women, well, we need to be someone that people appreciate as people. Even with our strengths, we have our weaknesses. The development of the way that women and men interact with each other in society. Feminism has done a lot of things to society as a whole. And I don't agree with a lot of things that feminism is about because it's very negative. But there are some things about it that we're starting out, you know, with very good intentions and with a very good purpose. Now, it actually has its roots back in Greek and Roman societies. The common theme was that women need to have the same rights to civil activities as men because they make amazing contributions to society. The world needs for women to be involved. And then over the years, it evolved into something more personal. It was actually about anti-misogyny, actually changing the way that women are perceived and felt about 
not just treated, not just their rights, but really their value. And then in the 15th century, Christine de Pizan, I think is how you pronounce it, she proactively protested misogyny and the role of women in the Middle Ages. Then it became a, a more profound social issue. And by the time the 19th century came around, the wife of an American president warned, if particular care and attention is not paid to the ladies, we're determined to foment a rebellion and we will not hold ourselves bound by any laws in which we have no voice. Well, that rebellion started in the 19th century and it included the end of slavery and abolitionist movement. Well, the second wave of modern feminism began when women earned the right to vote in the early 20th century. And then they began to enter the workplace in greater numbers after many men lost their jobs following the Great Depression. Well, the problem then was that women were paid less than men for doing the same work, maybe even in higher quality. And then women either participated in World War II or found work in industries previously reserved for men. And Rosie the Riveter became a famous feminist icon. And in 1963, the Equal Pay Act confronted the inequality of pay for the same jobs that men did. It was getting better and better for women, right? Well, when it actually became something destructive was in 1971. It was argued that women were still relegated to, quote, unfulfilling roles in homemaking and childcare, unquote. The implication there was that being a wife and mother was inherently something inferior to a secular position with the same pay and recognition as men. That's just better. Well, actually it's not. The perspective then about femininity began to change. And women who were in the workforce were not given the respect and dignity and honor that they deserved. So women became aggressive and angry as a group against men as a group. And they projected it onto their daughters. Like me, I grew up in the late 70s, early 80s. And I just had the, the upbringing, the sort of mentality that all men are pigs. Well, actually, they're not. I happen to be married to a pretty amazing Mexican man who does not have one ounce of machismo. He actually treats me like a queen because I don't question his intentions as a man. Now, political critics have even argued that Roe versus Wade and other feminist movements were only beneficial to white college-educated women. True equality was still not happening because the inequality was now not between men and women per se. It was actually happening between different kinds of women. It was something just as divisive as it was uniting. So what really is being a woman about? Is it about equality in power, in money, in positions? Or, Well, let's just get rid of the image and relax about the fight. Stop being defensive and stop being aggressive. It's not really about winning, is it? Is that always going to make you happy? Well, the first part of being a real woman, a powerful and strong woman, is being able to handle the truth. Can you handle the truth? Yes, it was a good line and a great movie by an amazing actor. But the, the bottom line is you need to be able to be honest with yourself. When my father was talking to me as a little girl, he always had a, an air of authority, but it was very personal, the things that he said. One of the most defining moments of my life as a young girl was 
when I was talking to him, I was actually trying to get away with something and I was maybe just stretching the truth a little bit. He said, sweetheart, I want you to stop for a minute and think about something. When you lie to strangers, you're going to miss out on great opportunities. When you lie to friends, you're going to burn a lot of bridges. When you lie to family, you're going to die alone. When you start lying to yourself, that's when it's all over for you. There's no one left. You don't even have yourself left because you start believing your own lies. And he walked away. Wow. Okay. So (laughs) that just made me think very, very carefully about how lying to other people is not a good idea. But believing the own lies that you tell yourself is very dangerous. Today, we're going to talk about being honest about what you want as a woman, and more importantly, being honest with other people about what you want and what you need. Do you really want the things that you're fighting for as a woman? And when you fight, do you fight fair for them? When you're successful, do you know how to enjoy your success? We're going to take a real quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about femininity, the greatest things truly about being a woman, how to use them and maximize them and implement them to success, yours and the world around you. We'll be right back. This is Gabrielle Cardona with yours, mine, and ours. Welcome back to yours, mine, and ours. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona. And if listeners want to call in and ask a question, the number here at the station is 888-627-6008. And if you'd like to make a comment or post a question, the page is bbsradio.com slash yours, mine, and ours. So today we're talking about the beauty of the power of women. Now let's take a look at just some basic facts about the female being. First of all, women are strong in many ways and have the capacity to do many amazing things. Studies have actually shown that the synapses in our brain compared to men are very different. We have two different hemispheres in our brain and they kind of do different things for different reasons in different ways. And so the synapses are the electrical currents in our brain. And what studies have shown is that women have synapses that cross the hemispheres we actually go from one part of the brain to the other quicker and more efficiently whereas the majority of men's synapses happen in one specific part of the brain what that means is when a man is doing one thing at a time he can generally speaking outperform a woman but a woman has the ability to do things multiple things at the same time some people call it multitasking in a much more effective and successful way than men. Now, they're both important in order for the world to keep running smoothly. We're just built in two different ways. The bottom line is a woman in 100 minutes can do 50 things for two minutes, sometimes all at the same time, right? No, but then a man is built more to do like two things for 50 minutes each. Now, one of the things that we all know as women that we're able to do 
is not only do a lot of things, but be a lot of things while we're doing, right? Now, as a Christian, I've always appreciated certain scriptures that aren't about theology. They're not about religious doctrine, but they're about practical life wisdom. One of my favorite books is Proverbs, and it actually has a description of the different things that a woman can do and be. And a lot of people who think that the Bible is anti-feminist, what I like about Proverbs 31 is it actually includes her having a business. (laughs) Okay, so believe it or not, the Bible says that a woman can run her own show. Now, the list of things that are included are her husband trusts her with his whole heart because she's earned that trust. And she's good for him all the way till the end, all the days of her life. That doesn't change or go down with time. And she knows how to discern quality products that she obtains for her family and herself. And she has manual dexterity when she works. And she's resourceful in what she obtains because she can find a creative solution. And she can get up at night if she needs to because she has healthy energy even when she's resting. Her quality of performance is what it needs to be. And she's aware of and tending to the needs of others. She has a great mind for business. She's physically able to complete tasks successfully. And she's able to learn and master different skills throughout her life. But this is where it gets really good. She has peace of mind because she's responsible and knows that the work she's done will have success. Then her family has peace because she has taken great care of them and she knows what is aesthetically pleasing and knows how to create it. And this is a really good one too. People want to be with her husband because of her. They're actually attracted to her husband because of the dignity and honor she has and is. Her reputation is impressive and honorable And she knows how to negotiate with all different kinds of people. There are going to be a lot of different people in her world. And she knows how to effectively interact with them. She keeps a young heart because of her positive energy. And she knows how to take care of herself in order to stay in a high quality state. She speaks in a wise way. And her husband compliments her from his heart. Her children genuinely appreciate her value as someone personally wonderful in their life. Not just from what she does, but who she is. Wouldn't it be great if we were all completely perfect? The point here is that we all, we all as women have the capacity to be all of these things. And believe it or not, if you were going down that list, a man would, he'd probably lose his place halfway down the list and go, you know what? When I get around to it, I'll go ahead and get around to it. The really great thing about us is that we're willing to do the list of 20 different things because we know not only can we do it, we can do it really well. Now, clearly we have physical limitations because, again, let's be honest, we are a physically weaker vessel than men. We do need men or something that can replace a man like a machine or a tool, a tangible thing, in order to successfully do the physical daily tasks that life demands. If we didn't have technology and we didn't have manual devices, we would need men in order to do certain things. Okay, a lot of the things that we have right now are handheld and they're automatic. Well, the truth is also we're more vulnerable because we don't have the the resistance to endure certain physical experiences 
We just are a weaker vessel physically in that way. We think and feel many things uh, emotionally, and we do want to be vulnerable in an emotional way, and we do want men to be there for us when we do need them. Well, how about our social power? We can do immensely more damage than a man because a sick woman, a malicious woman, can hurt a healthy man in a way that no sick man can hurt a healthy woman. Now, think about this. Let's say it again. A sick woman when she's with a healthy man, can actually do hurt to him, emotional and social and mental damage to him in a way that if a man was sick and he was with a healthy woman, she would immediately resist him. She wouldn't be vulnerable to him. We have power, ladies. We have social influence over men and women. And when we've put our mind to it, to do damage to someone else, we are successful. Our words and actions are very influential. And that can be in a good way. That can also be in a bad way. What we say and do has a lot of influence over people. Then we have this thing called emotional welfare. Warfare. How about that? Our capacity to do long-term damage in a psychological and indirect way. Our feminine wiles are extreme. We can be very, very angry in a way that men don't get. We become petty and spiteful and vindictive. You know what? Men don't have the strength or energy to be hurtful to others the way we do. So when we have an emotional agenda and we've set our mind to it, yeah, we're going to have success. That can be, again, good or bad. But let's talk about love. When we're thinking about true love in a relationship. There are different kinds of love. And when we are interacting with other people, we need to think about what kind of love we have and how our behavior demonstrates the love that we have. Because another really big important part of being a woman is not withholding that, really releasing it and letting it run its course. The flow of energy, when we have positive energy, always knowing that massively intense influence that we have over people that could be very negative and destructive, it can also be very, very powerful in a good way, in a loving way to create and propel positive energy into and through others around us. Okay, now when we're talking about love, I love cheesecake and I love my British friend Colin. And I love my husband. They're all very different kinds of love, right? (laughs) Let's talk about the kind of love that's not just about sex, okay? It's about humanity. Being a human, men and women. What makes us different from animals? Well, first of all, it's about our vulnerability. And this is another reason why I really have a hard time with, with feminism. It really is insistent on the... Well, I don't need you, and I don't care what you think. Well, you know what? That's not very loving. Love is vulnerable. We could be hurt. That's a risk that we take as humans when we open our heart to someone else. We have to give access to the private and sensitive parts of ourselves when we love. Our heart is very powerful and can cause a lot of suffering to us when it's hurt. But That involves acknowledging that we genuinely need others and we need to be wanted. 
We need to acknowledge that we have needs that other people need to fill. And that involves, again, being comfortable, being honest about what our needs are and being willing to reach out, accept it when it's offered. Beauty comes not from being hard-hearted. It comes from being comfortable, being soft and vulnerable. So when we think about love, now we're actually going to talk about a formula for success. When we come back from the break, what is a formula for success in a relationship? Is love in and itself enough? We'll be right back after this break. My name is Gabrielle Cardona, and this is yours, mine, and ours. Welcome back to yours, mine, and ours. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona, and today we're talking about feminine power, truly being successful as a woman. Now, we've talked about the different things that a woman is capable of doing in a good or a bad way, if she so decides. But we also talked a little bit about love and how being vulnerable is part of being truly strong, not just as a woman, but as a human. It's what separates us from the animals. We need each other and we need to be needed. Now, what do you do when you have that love? How do you actually make a relationship work? Well, it's not easy. There's a lot that goes into successfully connecting to another person. Well, you know, I tell my clients, it's important to be a good match as a couple on paper. You have to have a certain amount of compatibility. There are going to be complementary personalities by nature that just naturally fit together. No, you don't complete me. You complement me because we are all ready whole when we come together. If you're trying to find a relationship to fill a hole in your soul, then you know right there you're not yet relationship material. That's pretty understandable. But when you're compatible with someone, that's really nice. And it's the the important first step. But how do you know? Well, you need to get to know each other. You can be friends with someone as the opposite sex in the event that you decide not to be in a romantic relationship. As long as you know that it's not gonna cross a certain line, You can have opposite sex friends, you know, you can have um, female friends if you're a man, you can have male friends if you're a woman. You just need to know that there are certain standards for behavior and that's especially true in the relationship. Not only do you have to be compatible with the person that you're with, but you have to be strong and mature separate from that other person. You have to be qualified to do the work of a relationship as an individual before you come together with someone else. And the person that you want to get involved with needs to be qualified to be in a relationship. That's doing the work. So let's say, okay, we've checked that off. We're we're good, compatible. We spent time together. We have fun together. We work well together in a practical way. Good, okay. And we're both mature and ready to handle being in a relationship. So what really is it about? What's important as a woman to make a relationship work? Because yes, it does take work. Finding the right person and being in love is not going to make a relationship work. Well, three things I tell people. You have to be positive and you have to be proactive and you have to be productive. 
Okay, so let's take a look at each one of those individually. Being positive, you know what? That's about your energy. You have to have good, positive energy inside of you, separate from the other person, any other person. That's just a good philosophy about life in general. How do you get into a good mood? Well, you know what? One of my favorite one of my favorite lines from a movie in the 80s. And the great part of this was the movie as he was talking to his sister, they actually were brother and sister in real life. So that just made the the moment that much better. He was looking at her as she was complaining about something and he just puts the the knife down and she's like, "What?" And he looks at her and he says, "Get in a good mood." Just get in a good mood. How hard is it for you to get in a good mood? Just decide to be in a good mood. She looks at him with this indignance and she says, gee, it's easy. (laughs) Okay. Do you know how to get in a good mood? Point blank. Ladies, ask yourself the question. How often are you in daily life? Just take kind of a little inventory. How often are you in a good mood? And keep in mind that there is no neutral. If you are not in a good mood, you have defaulted into a bad mood. There is no such thing as absence of feeling. If you're not feeling positive, you are by default projecting something negative because it's not about what you say or do. It's about how you say it and do it. And that all stems from how you're feeling while you're saying it and doing it. Okay, but now think about this. Now, this is something that's kind of tough for the people that I coach to wrap their minds around. You can have a negative feeling inside of you and still be in a good mood. Well, how is that possible? You're ridiculous. You can't possibly. Well, when you appreciate the purpose of negative thoughts and feelings, they're an indication just that something needs to be changed. They're very practical in their purpose. Anger is, okay, you know what? Something happened that it shouldn't happen. And you know what? We need to fix it right now. And I'm going to make you feel really icky until you fix it or fear. Okay, something's going on here and and we really need to prevent something from happening. Okay, I'm going to keep reminding you that this is a not good situation until you act on it. Well, great. Things like that give you the strength and energy to do the work to change it. The key is when you're feeling those things, know that it's just the indication that something needs to be addressed and be able to discern Okay, what what really is the problem here? Work on that emotion separate from doing the work to change the situation. Processing what you're feeling is not involved in any way with addressing the situation or the issue that triggered that emotion. And when you understand that, you can say, you know what, I am really upset about this right now. I either need to work to actually completely eliminate this negative energy inside of me before I do the work, or I can compartmentalize it in order to be able to remain focused and objective and proactive as I solve the problem. Because keep in mind, your bad mood is contagious and powerful and destructive to people. When you think about what people are feeling around you, whether you think they should be or not, they are affected. Know that what you're doing is hurting someone enough to stop being willfully hurtful to them. You have to be a better quality person and take a step back. Do whatever you need to do in order to get into a good mood. The question is, do you know 
what needs to happen in order for you to get into a good mood. You know what? This is a really great thing, ladies. I don't know if you know this because no one might have ever told you this before. But when you are around someone that is really affected by the fact that you're upset, if you have an exercise, an emotional, mental activity that you do, a psychological process that you have learned to implement or utilize to get yourself back into positive energy, literally being in a good mood, tell others what you need from them. Tell them, you know what? I'm having a hard time right now. I really got to get myself into a better place. Can you help me out here? Do you have any idea how incredibly willing people are to give you what you need in order to become a better quality person? If you tell them specifically what it is, they are often a lot more willing than you might think. They'll say, I'll give you, I'll, I'll do it. I'll be it. I'll have it. Absolutely. And then when they see that the return on their investment, when you have taken care of yourself, you really do get good again. What you do and what you are for them and with them and around them makes their life better. It's good for everybody. But the question is, do you know how to take care of yourself? Again, we're talking about the mask when it comes on the plane. And yes, we are getting back on airplanes. I heard it on the news. We're just going to be a distance. Okay. When that mask comes down, you have to put it on yourself first. Well, understanding that conceptually, do you know how to take care of yourself? Taking the time to get yourself into a truly higher state, quality state as a woman means that list of things that I listed that that I went down and I described that women are capable of doing. We actually can do and be all of those things in a good mood, in a high quality state. We're making the world around us a better place. When we come back, I'm going to talk about communication because the truth is a lot of the conflict, it's not really about people who are bad people. It's simply about communication, understanding, and connection to create peace in a relationship. We're going to take one more commercial break when I come back. Communication and the successful power of a woman. This is yours, mine, and ours. Welcome back to yours, mine, and ours. I'm Gabrielle Cardona, relationship coach and MBTI practitioner. And today we're talking about the potential that a woman has, a feminine energy to do amazing things, good or bad, based on what she chooses and how to have success and happiness as a woman. Now, today, this is a lot of different communication, different themes, a different, well, you know what, let's just get to the tip of the iceberg. I always start with um, acronyms, T-I-P. When we're having a conflict, when people are talking with each other, there's actually the topic, the T, the issue, the I, and P, the problem. Okay, so when people are talking to each other, there are layers of what's being communicated. The first layer is the topic. If there's no real problem, then what was said is the actual message being conveyed. Well, the second layer is the issue. That's 
why the topic is important enough to be brought up in the first place. It's actually an underlying subject. And then the third layer is a potential problem. Sometimes there's something else completely different from what was said, right, in the statement and the topic that goes way past the original conversation. And that's what really needs to be discussed. Now, men and women, we've always had a hard time getting on the same page because we have different communication styles. We have different communication needs. And the bottom line is identifying what's really going on is just tough. Men rarely know intuitively what a woman is saying. <laughs> they just need to be told. You know what? Just spell it out for them. I loved it in that that computer joke. They they can't think for themselves. Well, you know what? So just tell them. Just give them the information. You know what? You're absolutely right. He's absolutely wrong. Now we've gotten over that. Just spell it out. Okay, well, let me give some examples of statements that are just the tip of the iceberg. Okay. One would be a great example of, a woman says, take your shoes off at the front door. Now she's said it three times. Okay. The topic, well, what's the topic? When she says, take your shoes off, a man would go, okay. And he would just take his shoes off and, and the conversation is over. Well, there could be three different topics there. One of them is, I don't want you to get the floor dirty. I just vacuumed. Okay. Or it could mean, you know what? You lose your shoes and I don't want to have to help you find them. So leave them there so I don't ever have to look for them with you again. Or it could be, you know what? My mom did it that way when I was little and I really like how it looks. Those are three different topics. Okay. Well, what about the issue? And those three different topics could have three different issues. First of all, it could be, I want you to listen to me and care about my feelings enough to do what I ask. Or you know what, I've, I've told you that, but you're still not doing it. You might have a listening problem, or is it a mental problem? <laughs> okay, well, because the first time you tell them, you're fine saying, leave your shoes there. Second time, you're just irritated. The third time, you're actually upset. Or is it really, you know what, I don't think you care enough about your home to keep it clean. Okay, those are three different issues. And the problem, that what you're actually trying to express is that he genuinely doesn't listen to you as a person, even in other ways, with other things in your relationship. And he doesn't care enough about you to do the very reasonable and simple things that you ask. Okay, so you need to identify the actual message that you need to convey and communicate it in a positive and proactive and productive way until you feel heard, acknowledged, and respected. Okay, how do I look? What about that one? Have we ever asked a man, how do I look? Well, obviously we're fishing for a confirmation. It could be a good one. It could be a bad one. Well, okay. The topic is I want positive attention from you in the form of a compliment. <laughs> okay. We all know that and we all agree with that. But the issue, well, what if the issue was, I want you to look at me more in life, in my life. I want you to look at me in general. Or it could be, I want to know that you do truly think I'm aesthetically pleasing as the love of your life because if you don't find me physically attractive, it's going to break my heart. Or could it be, I don't think you think about me enough in your life, so I need to have your attention in this way to make you think about me. Or is it really, you know what, I don't really know if this necklace goes with this, this shirt and I trust your judgment as an SP, so please tell me before I walk out the door if I'm making a huge mistake with this particular jewelry. <laughs> Okay, those are four different messages. Those are four different things that could be going on inside of you when you say, how do I look? Well, what if the true problem 
beneath the issue is I'm so insecure about my body or is it I'm worried about your feelings for me or you know what it could be I don't trust my fashion sense enough to accessorize and I'm always going to need your help doing a real quick once over before we walk out the door you know what people my listeners here um, I actually do need my son sometimes my daughter to do me a real quick once over before I walk out the door because I'm I'm fashion sense defective okay what's the problem well do you know the problem Okay, or how's this one? And this is one that recently happened for one of my friends. The man walks through the door and she asks, where have you been? He's uh, three hours late and he hasn't called. The topic is, I want specific information about your exact location for the last three hours. What's the issue? Well, it could be because I need to know if you've deposited the check that I gave you this morning. Because if you didn't, then I need to go back out and I need to deposit the check that you didn't. Or... I want to know if there's something that you're doing in your life that I don't know about and I'm getting concerned. Or maybe it could be, I want to know if there's another woman in your life that you'd rather be with because I suspect the way you looked at that lady in our congregation last week means that you're having an affair. Not quite drinking, not quite gambling. Yeah, no, I want to know if there's another woman. The problem that created the issue that initiated the topic, which provoked the question is, Maybe I don't trust your love for me or your fidelity, or I don't trust your honesty as a person, or I don't trust your memory to run errands. <laughs> okay. The important thing is don't ever exclude your feelings when you're talking about a problem. Just make them a positive part of the solution. There could be fear, there could be anger, there could be anxiety. Don't ever deny your feelings because you're always going to have them. Make them part of your proactive solution help the person you're with to appreciate that your feelings are what helped you to know that something needed to be improved they didn't impede the success of the resolution you know what the truth is sometimes when i'm talking to my husband i really need to break it down into small words and very simple concepts and i know that as an estp it's really helpful when i make um illustrations right when i liken what we're doing or the concept or the question into a metaphor and food especially if i can liken it to something with food he immediately gets the concept and then he immediately starts thinking about the the topic and then he understands oh is that what you mean <laughs> yes yes sweetheart that's what i meant do you understand now why that's an issue why that's a problem for me okay you know what the bottom line, as long as I don't get overly emotional, he's actually willing to speak to me about a topic. No, actually an issue for up to an hour and periodically making jokes when it starts to get heated or a little bit mm, boring and mundane. It helps, helps him to stay involved and personally vested. Three absolutely unconditional deal breakers and an indication that you're just not fit for a relationship. So you need to go ahead and and take care of yourself before you get involved with other people in a relationship three disqualifiers disrespect respect is a noun and it's a verb it's about honor and dignity and value not only in the way that you see someone and think about them and feel about them but it's also about the way that you treat them name calling is not acceptable ever if you're with someone who calls you names, you need to end the relationship. And if you call people names, you have some growing up to do. Embarrassing them, especially in public, is an absolute 
deal breaker because personally humiliating people is never excusable and it's never justified. Anything that needs to be said can be said in a way that doesn't hurt people's feelings. And genuine respect is not just what you do, it's how you feel. And then the second one is dishonesty. It's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth that's absolutely essential to a relationship. As a woman, we have a way to always say, in a good or bad way, the absolute truth. Withholding information from another person, provoking conflict, walking away when when something really still does need to be discussed. It's not a matter of if conflict will happen. That's just about when. Are you truly honest? And the third one is selfishness. Genuinely caring more about yourself than another person is an indication that you are not relationship material. Love is vital to a relationship and different kinds of love confuse people, but love is not selfish. Agape is a principle that you live by as a soul in order to be a good quality person. I don't care if you're the right person as a match, if you're not the right person for a relationship, the perfect soulmate is not going to make up for your deficiency. Do you care more about others than you do about yourself as a person enough to do things that just demonstrate that? And do people know that you expect the same thing from them? You are absolutely worth the energy and the sacrifice because the return on the investment when someone is with you is always going to be a good choice for them. If you are unselfish and honest and respectful, you are relationship material. A relationship is about yours and mine and ours.